This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, I'm going to talk about Chael Sonnen just absolutely savaging John Jones. We'll have a nice long conversation with Bellator commentator, pioneer in MMA, and more, former ref, Big John McCarthy. Plus, I'm going to tell you how terribly out of shape I've gotten during this quarantine. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays, 3 p.m. East Coast time, right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. And don't forget about the show's email, Show at gmail.com. Uh, okay, man, I got to tell you, I heard this audio and I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, dude, Chael Sonnen is out here just spraying the block. He don't care if he hits grandma. <laughs> he doesn't care if the family dog gets it. So here's, let me tell you, let me pull back the curtain a little bit on how I do my opinion commentary. I didn't used to do it this way, but then I realized you might want to, which is you don't want to change your opinion. Whatever your opinion is, keep it that way. Stick to your guns. Don't say something you don't mean by virtue of some other consequence. But you should also understand that MMA is a small town and that eventually you're going to run into the people that you talk about. So you should be able to look them in the eye and defend what you said. And so if you stick to your guns, but if you do it in a, in a way that you can justify later having been in person to person, you will have a lot less issues. So I, if I think someone did not perform ably, I will say so. But I'm not going to go, for example, and be like, this guy's a bum, he sucks, he's a, he's a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. That's good for, for sports talk radio, to be honest. Like if you listen to sports talk radio, so-and-so's a choker, this team blows, the owner should be fired. It's actually really good for business, to be honest with you, for this business. But those businesses operate under the premise that no one ever really interacts. At least not nearly as much. That's not how this business works. This business, they'll come knocking on your front door, my guy. Right? So you should be able to face-to-face defend what you said at an earlier time. Don't change it, but blah, blah, blah. Okay. Chael Sonnen doesn't care about any of that. (laughs) He doesn't care about any of that. Now, granted, he's a famous fighter, so he's probably got a little bit less to worry about in terms of his personal security but even then it's like dude no one's immune from catching an ass whipping in any kind of different way or worse dude Chael Sonnen does not care does not care and I say that almost in the best way possible uh he went on uh shouts to the boys at submission radio love those guys down in Australia he went on submission radio and metaphorically speaking pulled out the AK-47 and said run Omar coming I mean, it was unbelievable what he said about John Jones. Now, of course, this is not the first time that he and John have had a fairly ugly dispute. They had a fight, of course, the whole nine yards. Um, it's not the first time, but and probably not the last, given how it sounds here. But wow, dude. Remember that, remember that lesson that I just explained to you? He doesn't care about that at all, dude. He just goes to work on it. Now, he also makes some points that independent of their animosity, I think are actually worth taking seriously and at least having some discussion about. So we'll do that too. So it's not just about this segment anyway. Oh, look at how Chael Sonnen insults John Jones. It's hard to not notice, but there are actually some uh, parts of this that I think Chael's on the money with some of this, with some of the serious points that he's making about who's who. 
it's going to be hard to disentangle those serious points from some of the shots he's taking at John. I get, but we'll try just the same. Okay, so let's go through these. Um, he doesn't think that John versus Izzy is going to happen anytime soon, but we'll talk about that more in, in just a second. Here we go. I think that part of that fight is further out than it once was. You know, don't forget what's happened in the last 60 days, largely because of Dominic Reyes. But mm. nobody could sell out an arena fighting John Jones. John Jones was the worst drawing champion in the organization. That wasn't John's fault. John, John did everything right. He was getting a little bit of the Roy Jones effect, where he was so good and everybody knew how that movie was going to end, so nobody wanted to buy a ticket to watch it. The reality is now, because of the competitiveness that Reyes showed with him, many people believing Reyes won, myself included, that all of a sudden it did just get a little bit more interesting. Now John trying to stay away from Reyes and, and go over to Blahovich, showing that. I mean, th those things work. Those are playground rules, but playground rules don't go away in the pros. And the point I'm trying to make is John had nothing going on. He was talking about going up to heavyweight just so he could get somebody to watch him. He was talking about trying to bring Adesanya up to light heavyweight just to get somebody to watch. All of a sudden, the world is different for John Jones. Completely agree with a lot of this. The one thing I don't agree with is that John was like the worst drawing champion in company history. That's not even close to true. He's actually a pretty good draw. He's a pretty high-level draw. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe he means at the gate versus pay-per-view, but on pay-per-view, he does really well and has historically done very well. Uh, I, I don't think that the Reyes fight necessarily set the world on fire in terms of buys, but no one really knew who he was. That was Reyes's coming out party. And similar for Blahovich, that would not do gangbusters. But, you know, when you look at champions like Cody Garbrandt, that did well at the gate. I don't think it did all that well on pay-per-view. When you look at champions like Dillashaw, when you look at champions like Demetrius Johnson, any of the women, um, you know, even, even Tyron Woodley relative to John Jones, I don't think that that's true. John has been... Not one of the highest ones, but he has been a a, a, a good achiever at, at pay-per-view draws. In terms of the other things that Chael says there, I think they're on the money. I thought Dominic Reyes won, and he's right. Dude, all of a sudden, you, you look at some of these fights, you're like, well, Anthony Smith didn't win, but it was more competitive than you thought. Well, Tiago Santos didn't win, but it was way more competitive than you thought. Well, Dominic Reyes didn't win, but I thought he should have. The fights at light heavyweight, people aren't talking about this enough. The fights at light heavyweight for John, they're competitive now. And they're competitive in ways they did not used to be. And they go long. They're all 25 minutes, it seems. And it's not the old crop that's giving him the problem. It's the new one. It's the guys who have moved up from middleweight who have filled out. It's the guys like Dominic Reyes who didn't start fighting until six, seven years ago. But they've got modern best practices and an, and an update. They're, they're, they're uh, Agent Smith 2.0. Y'all seen that scene from The Matrix? And The Matrix, what's, what's the second one? Reloaded? Not Revolutions is the third. Er, early first scene of The Matrix Reloaded where uh, the agents come knocking on the door. Neo tries to fight one and the punch comes up just short. And he goes, hmm, upgrades. That's John Jones dealing with the light heavyweight division right now. They're upgrades. He's, we, no one talks about that fact. It is absolutely true. Clearly, clearly, clearly true. All right, he keeps going. I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss this audio. Uh, he thinks that John versus Izzy would be similar to him versus Silva. 
Oh, definitely. Yes, if that fight got signed and those guys were given a full media tour, yeah. And what's so good about him is Adesanya is absolutely sure he's going to beat John Jones. And John Jones is absolutely sure he's going to beat Adesanya. And both of them with their speak as well, it's the same thing. Neither one is conceding to Big Brother here. They're both looking at like, hey, I'm the alpha in the room. There's something very fun about that. And uh, yeah, I think that that could be real fun. I think Adesanya will take it in any direction. I'm not sure where he says it would be like Chael versus Anderson. That was how the cut was labeled. But, you know, Mike Pendleton's a dumbass, so what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> still, I, I generally they agree with the assessment. Nothing, nothing too far from ordinary in that audio. Here is where we go from 0 to, to 10. I think John Jones, since his latest arrest and the fact that, I mean, the mask is off. The world's known he's a scumbag for a while, but now that he's finally in touch with just what a dirty guy he is, and now he's putting out interview, he's steering into it. Look, from a livability and a civility standpoint, okay, go ahead and question John Jones's character. I'm speaking about from a marketing and promotional standpoint, he's doing everything right. The gig is up. Everybody knows you were on TMZ in handcuffs crying about, I want to go home and be with my kids. It's like, dude, it's two in the morning. You're firing guns while shoot, uh, running donuts in a parking lot high, drunk on tequila. Your time to be with your, your, are your kids even still up, you bum? The fact that he would be that level of a scumbag, just go with it. Just be a scumbag. Brat, 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 brat. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the kind of analysis I would be like, well... You know, maybe not for me, but Chael don't give a Chael don't give NF. NF. And you know what's so funny is he couches it like, well, you want to judge his character personally, that's fine. But I'm talking about the marketing side of it. He's leaning into it. And then makes a series of points <laughs> assassinating the character. And I'm not even here to judge it. You know, John, I really thought that going after Anthony Smith, when you just got out of jail for the third time pleading guilty to a uh, a, a vehicular issue involving substance abuse and firearms, at least in the last case, uh, but the third would vehicular uh, issue, a serious vehicular issue with that. And then the first thing your, your order of business is to go after a rival who had an awful traumatic family experience. Boy, that really was stomach turning for me, to be quite honest with you. Anthony Smith deserved a lot better than that. And, uh, you know, Chael's got a point certainly about leaning into that as a, uh, as an identity. I just don't think John, I don't think John believes that that is bad i don't know i certainly cannot speak for john i i have no idea but you wouldn't do something like that if you thought it was morally questionable uh, unless you were either morally bankrupt yourself um but my hunch is he thinks that that's just fine totally fine which is if that's the case somewhat on the deranged side of things here's another interesting point it says john's not ready for pressers let me hear this I got to tell you, with all due respect, that you're the first guy to ever say John was good on a mic. John doesn't even know what day it is most of the time. I mean, John, John really is just looking for the next party. So I, you're literally the first person to ever say that you thought John spoke well. But I will tell you, Adesanya brings a fire, right? I mean, there's a venom. He practiced. He's rehearsed. John Jones... John Jones is not ready for press conferences. And, and a lot of guys see a dishonor in that, that you should just freestyle and answer the questions that are asked of you. Man, it's no different than any other job interview or any test I've ever gone to in my life. If I know it's test day, I'm going to study for the test. Adesanya studies for the test. He doesn't answer the question asked of him. He waits till your mouth's done moving, and then he says whatever the hell he wants. John Jones answers questions. Good ones don't answer questions. They handle questions. That's interesting. I will say, though, that I've seen John spar with people in press conferences like D.C. 
Uh, certainly he dunked on me once. I, I think that's a little bit unfair. I'm not saying he's as good as Adesanya, but I don't think he's that bad either. So I, I'm half I'm halfway there with Cheryl on that one. Halfway there. It's a point worth taking seriously, but okay. Uh, I'm going to skip one, and I'm going to come back to the last one because that's the one I want to focus on. He says he thinks he, he knew John was doping in their fight. Let me hear this one. What popped out in the actual fight, I remember John and I locked up right at the beginning, and I remember it was like a Volvo and a Mack truck, and he just pushed me across <laughs> the octagon, and my back even hit the cage. I remember when it hit going, I'm I'm in a bad I'm in a bad bad night right now, and I mean I was I had a higher juice concentrate than Tropicana for that fight and he still <laughs> pushed me around. So I remember when we locked up, I remember going, I know your secret, John. And it was about a year later when you know he failed more more drug tests than I did, which actually disappoints me. Right, I had the record. John had to take everything from me, including that. But I do remember when we locked up the first time. I knew what I was doing, and I'm the one getting shoved around. I also knew what he was doing. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, I remember he hit him with a knee tap once too and put him flat on his back. Like he clubbed him over. You know, whether or not he was using it or not, you can make a determination there, but that's funny. All right, here's the cut that I really wanted to focus in on. He thinks Adesanya whoops John Jones. Let me hear it. Forget it. Forget it. Adesanya whip his ass. Really? That that confident? On the feet yeah, or, what, or just do you, you everywhere? Think, do you think uh, Tiago Santos beats Adesanya? Or do you think that Dominic Reyes beats Adesanya? I mean, these were really close matches for John Jones. I thought he lost both of them. On the 10-9 must system, I thought he lost to, to Santos, too. Mm. I'm not bullish on that. I'm not even bullish on the Reyes one. Those were just my opinions. I, I, think, that, I think that ship has sailed. I think John's tough. I don't think he's the greatest of all time. I think that's George St. Pierre. But I do think that John Jones would have an argument to the toughest of all time. To watch his grit... To watch John Jones seeing everything slip away and he finds a way to to get victory anyway, he finds a way to push through. John gets a lot of credit with me. I just think when you're comparing him to Adesanya, Adesanya's one. Jones is in a good spot, but he's still number two. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, again, there would be some questions about whether or not – not whether or not. There would be some questions about to what extent a move up to 205, what would it do to Adesanya physically? Would it make him stronger? Probably, but would it slow him down? Who knows? You know, what would be the series of gains and trade-offs you would make by competing in that weight class? But here's the thing that I've said repeatedly. John Jones got no takedowns on Tiago Santos. He got three on Anthony Smith, but I want you to understand something. Some of those Smith kind of d didn't give the toughest responses to, right? Uh, he attempted eight, so he didn't even get half of them. He whiffed on takedowns in the first round, whiffed on takedowns in the second round, he got one in the third, two in the fourth, and then he whiffed on two in the fifth. Anthony Smith put up a much better fight from a takedown perspective than anyone had imagined. Against Tiago Santos, all right, we're talking about the new blood here, John attempted one, couldn't get it. Okay, just whiffed. Against Dominic Reyes, they credited him with two, but he was not able to hold on to any of them, and he attempted nine. He attempted nine. Why do people think, and I've, by the way, we were, Cobb, come to the mic here for just a second. You were there at our UFC 244 pre-fight party. We had Adesanya literally next to Dominic Reyes. Dominic's a little bit thicker, that's true, but they're, from a frame standpoint, nearly the same size. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are pretty close in height. Yeah, obviously, uh, Reyes is thicker, 
but uh, they are not. A, it's not a massive size differential. Not even at all. Now Tiago Santos is big, but okay, he's a big, he's a big light heavyweight. He was a huge middleweight. Here's my point on the feet. I think Adesanya. I'm not saying does what he wants to John, but I think he wins. Okay, and John's really good about defense. He kind of always has been. I think a guy like Adesanya can find ways around that. And this idea that like John Jones is going to take him down and pound on him. He hasn't done that to someone since the second Gustafson fight, which I granted was not so long ago, but all the new blood he's faced have not succumbed to that at all. I, I'm, I'm not saying John's not a better wrestler. He's a better wrestler. I'm not saying John can't get takedowns. He can get takedowns on Adesanya. This idea that people like John would have his way with him physically. Why, why would you say that? He hasn't had his way physically with his last three opponents, and he'd had it maybe for one round or so with Anthony Smith. But uh, but Anthony stopped five of the eight takedowns. Dominic Reyes, seven of the nine, and the two he got were just barely. He could do almost nothing with them. Why would you think that Adesanya can't do that with more time? I think he absolutely could. I think that Ade- – here's the thing. What's ke- I've said it before. What's keeping John in these fights now is – he has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. I think credit to Chael, he also calls John Jones' style of kickboxing trick boxing, which I think is a great way to describe it. But here's the here's the facts. What's keeping John in these fights is he's got a lot of smarts, he's got a very high fight IQ, and he's got extraordinary defense, and he understands when to pour it on in fights too. Often a little bit, little bit late, but like in rounds, he knows like when to hit the break, hit the gas, how to make reads. Like He's very, very, very clever and smart. And he's got great defense. But his offense is not what it used to be. Not even close. If you go back and watch what he did to Bader and Vera and Shogun and Lyoto, first round notwithstanding, and even Rashad or Rampage, like that special, special run he was on, he landed so many more impressive strikes more often, more takedowns, back takes. You just don't see any of that now. You don't see any of that now. So he's winning because his defense is phenomenal. But this idea that his takedowns are lights out, they're not. His, 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 uh, his kickboxing is lights out. It's not. It's not lights out at all. So I think that fight is at a bare minimum way more competitive than most. And I'm with Chael on this one. I, I actually like Adesanya's chances there. Fun little thing to talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll keep monitoring the situation. This week on World of Basketball, Australia's five-time Olympian and FIBA Hall of Famer Andrew Gaze explains how the 1992 Dream Team helped change basketball around the world. Well, I think first and foremost, basketball became the most watched and one of the most significant events of the 92 Olympics because of it. And the way in which the, the culture of basketball and the popularity of basketball was growing, that what it also did is that we knew that they were going to dominate but it gave the rest of the world a chance to compete against these players. New episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app and Pandora. All right, we're back. Luke Thomas Show. Don't forget, Luke Thomas Show at gmail.com for all of your voicemail and email needs. Hit up the show whenever you feel like it. Okay, uh, let's get into this now. I had a conversation with Big John McCarthy. He's got a new show he's hosting called Bellator MMA Recharged on CBS Sports Network. It'll air at 8 p.m. on the 25th of April. That's Saturday. 
But then going forward, it's going to be on Wednesdays. We talk about that, but a whole lot else about the pandemic and and everything in between. So uh, heads up on this. My microphone was not great. I apologize. It's a, it, my mistake. Actually, it's, it's Cobb's mistake. I'm going to blame him, even though he had nothing to do with it. But Big John sounds great, and you're here for him anyway, right? Okay, so without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Big John McCarthy. All right, joining me on the hotline is a man you know very well, longtime referee, uh, pioneer really, and now of course is a color commentator for Bellator. We're going to talk about the new show he'll be hosting on CBS Sports Network and a whole lot more. It is Big John McCarthy. Mr. McCarthy, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing good. Luke, how are you? I'm all right. Um, let me start with this one a little bit, you know. How have you been viewing the how have you been viewing the community's response to the pandemic? Are you when I say the community, I mean MMA in general, and that can be promoters, fans, fighters, everyone in between, media as well. Have you have you have you uh, what kind of, what has been your response to how the various parties have responded to it? I'll put it that way. Man, that, that, that's a tough question because it's a matter of you gotta look and say People don't. People have have categorized this whole coronavirus thing in uh, too excessive, I think, in some ways. And some people aren't giving it enough validity into what it can do. You know, it's it's called a novel virus, not because it's a book, meaning it's new, meaning we don't have any immunities to it, meaning that we don't have any cures for it, we don't have any vaccines for it. So it can cause this great problem with you know, our medical community and bogging down the system and making it to where they can't treat people. So you have to take it seriously. I think that, the, you know, the community as far as a whole, I think the fighters kind of looked at it and went, I really don't want that. You know, that affects who I am as a person. It affects my ability to fight. And it's not something I'd be happy getting, you know, although most of them being healthy individuals are going to hopefully make it through that. But when you're looking at the fans, the fans want fights. I want fights. I think you want fights. I want something to talk about. I want something to watch. I want something, you know, that to entertain me because that's what where my passion lies. So I think the fans are going, oh, you shouldn't take away fights. You know, you can take a look at what, you know, Bellator did in canceling their fights back in uh, March, saying, all right, you know, we're going to do this with no audience and then saying, okay, totally, we're not going to do this at all. That was one way of doing it. Then you saw the UFC doing it without an audience in Brazil, you know, and that was uh, unfortunate. I thought that they would really have a big viewership with that fight, you know, and people said, oh, it's because it wasn't a good card. It's like, what other live sports did you have going on? Nothing. They had canceled basketball, everything. You know, I thought it would do really well, and it didn't, which I was really surprised by. And then the whole thing that happened with uh, 249, you know, I, I was kind of behind Dana in the beginning when he was trying to put the Khabib-Tony fight together, only because it had fallen out so many times. And I want to see that fight as much, I'm not saying more than anyone, but as much as anyone, I want to see that fight. I think it's an incredible matchup. And then when he lost that fight, and but he says, we're still going forward, and then where he was going to do it, because I found out early where, he, where it was going to be, and I was like, that's not a good... Uh, it's not a good scenario. It's not a good picture you're painting. You have, for all these years, been talking about we go towards regulation. And then when you're basically thwarting it because the Tachi Palace 
I've worked at many times and you know every time it was for the California State Athletic Commission. So when all of a sudden they're saying, no, we can't do it there, and you're saying, we're going to do it anyways, and yes, it's going to be regulated. No, it wasn't. That's just not true. Okay, You can't sit there and say it was because you, you were going to be self-regulating. And uh, you know, so that kind of, you know, I, I, was, I was in the position of I didn't like where they were trying to do it. As long as they had a place that would legally let them do it, has an athletic mission that will do it, or you're on an island, go and do it. As long as it's safe for the fighters, I don't have a problem. I do think, and I, I'm praying that the May 9th show goes off. I think it will. I, I think they've got a good card, a great card, and I think it, I, you know it's going to be. I know where it's going to be in Florida. You know, I'm not here. I'm not going to say where, but hopefully that card goes off because I think we do have to start moving back towards some, some what some kind of normalcy. Uh, here's something that's sort of interesting to me about it all is that I. Like, in MMA, you know this better than I do. You've been around much longer than I have. But one thing I've picked up on in all my years is that a lot of times debates that we have, they're not real. Which is to say, there might, <laughs> be, a, there, there might be a dispute, but people will argue about things it's actually not about. Let me give you a perfect example. Like, I get the fans want to see fights. Totally understandable. I, I really... That's not very difficult to, to noodle. But this idea that, like... Um, okay, let me, let, me put it, let me frame it this way. That that we have to get back to normalcy. I can understand that a little bit, right? I, I, you know, it's not hard for me to, to grasp, but there's this weird thing happening where I don't, and again, I, the UFC has got a brand loyalty that the players I'm about to name doesn't apply to, but you don't see people being like, man, top rank has got to get fights going for national pride. we got to get matchroom boxing. And even Bellator, which had, great, they had a bunch of shows delayed until May. They had a nice gap, so it didn't hurt them as bad, although we saw they canceled the June card. Even then, you don't see people being like, oh, we've got to make sure for the national pride, you know, to really show people we can have this, we should have a show. To me, it's like if the, if the person in charge comes down and says, we should have fights, everyone goes, yeah, we should have fights. Conversely, if the person in charge comes down and says, we don't think it's a good idea, everyone's like, yeah, it's not a good idea. Don't you find that a little weird? Am I off on that? Do you find that a little weird? I think it's, you know, it's exactly what you have, is you have you know, Dana being that guy that's the lead guy, basically not only for the UFC, for the sport, that's the way people look at it, saying, we're going to have fights. And you got Scott Coker on the other end saying, hey, we're going to hold off on fights until we can do this in a safe fashion for our fighters, for our staff, for our you know, employees, that you're, you know, production people. We're going to hold off until we can say it's safe. And, and this is the way I look at it. Everyone can sit there and say they, they want to have fights. But... It's not only the fighters themselves, those staff people, and what you know, what we were told has to be done as far as to do this in a safe fashion at this moment was you had to quarantine people for a week, test them, then quarantine them even for another week. Now those are people that you can say they don't have, they can be next to other people, but you have to make sure that they don't come in contact with anybody or anything outside of that quarantine area. So it's not an easy thing to do. And when you look at it in, the, in the, the truest scope that you can look at it, yes, I want to see fights, but I do not want to see any fights that put somebody in harm's way. And when I say that, what I'm saying is no one's life is worth the fight. 
And if one member, be it a fighter, be it a trainer, be it an official, be it a, a, a production person, they get that virus and take it home and it affects one of their family members, one of their you know, parents, ch uh, children, their spouse, and that person is, you know, they lose their life you know, by it. Was the fight worth it? It's not. It's just not. You know? And so you got to say, human life is precious. And if it takes waiting another week, then wait the next week if that's going to be the difference between you being able to say, I can do it safely, or I think I can do it safely. The last thing I have to say about this is that Florida show, I'm not as worried about the Florida show as I was about the one on the 18th. For part of the reasons you had mentioned, California Athletic Commission not involved versus, you know, who the hell knows what would have been the, 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 the real answer there. So you got a real <laughs> state commission. I don't think Florida's the best one, but okay, it's a real state commission. And to your other point, they've got three extra weeks to think about safety protocol and come up with better ideas. And of course, UFC's not stupid, right? They know if some people oh. catch it at their show, it'd be a disaster for them. I think they get that. Here, here's the part that I come back to. I had a conversation with a woman I'm sure you know well. Margaret Goodman, uh, head of VADA, longtime uh, cage and uh, ringside referee for Nevada. And her whole point was, it's not that there's nothing you can do to mitigate risk. Of course you can. But if her answer was, I don't know what safe means relative to COVID-19 in the current predicament. And so that's what I sort of come back to. It's like, I get they're going to take steps, probably very good ones in the end. But I come back to this idea, like our, you had indicated, our knowability about it. I guess, Big John, my question is, does that give you some pause about the... Not the doability of the show on May 9th, but its rationality. Yeah, it does. You know, it, the, the simplest thing that I can bring up that makes me go, oh, this is my one problem. Fighters are going to get hurt and fighters end up going to the hospital all the time. So where is COVID-19 definitely at? Right. So, so I'm taking someone that I know doesn't have it and I'm putting them in an atmosphere that I know does. So am I increasing their risk if they get hurt in the fight by taking them to that hospital, which is there to hopefully help them, but am I now increasing their risk of possibly coming in contact and acquiring this? It's hard to say that you're not. Um, so let's move on to something else here, non-UFC related, about Bellator. I actually spoke to Scott. I thought the video was going to be released. Showtime did it. Don't look at me. <laughs> but I had a conversation with him. And uh, he said he was looking at June, July, August. Now, we know they just uh, postponed the June 6th show. Still, though, based on what you know, based on what we're seeing, if the May 9th show goes off, what is your confidence we'll see a Bellator show? And we're just speculating. But let's say by my birthday is August 5th. By my birthday. Well, I think we're definitely going to see uh, shows done for you know the UFC and Bellator within that time frame easy. I just, you know, they're not going to be shows that people are going to be pissed for and going to. I don't think we're going to have, you know, Bellator can uh, do the same thing as, you know, the, the UFC is talking about going to the Apex Center that they own in, in uh, Nevada, but they can't go there until the government, the state of Nevada, opens up the ability for that to be done so the Nevada State Athletic Commission can then regulate those fights. So Bellator can go to things, you know, they're – we're part of Viacom and CBS. They have a lot of sound stages. I think you're going to be seeing fights off of those sound stages. And the question is, how long will that be going on? Because you're going to get the fights. As a viewer, you're going to be able to see them on TV. As a fan, 
I don't see you going to fights for a long time. I, it's going to be a real question of when they open up the ability for people to sit in an arena in that type of close-knit environment uh, to watch fights. I don't think that's going to happen for quite a while. Yeah, I, I, I see people talking about uh, today's the NFL draft, right? And I understand fans want to hang on to that. Hey, my team is in the number two draft spot. We might get Chase Young. Sweet. <laughs> but like, are you, if they're asking me, I, when Dana said that MMA or UFC were the first ones back, I believed him. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about what whether you should or shouldn't, but I believe that that would be for sure the case. I'll be honest, man. I don't know how you bring back American football, right? But forget the audience, but just the quarterbacks, coaches, equipment managers. You know, uh, special teams that are not playing in between downs, uh, all the various personnel for that are, that are giving medical attention just on each sideline. How the hell do you have American sports like that without a vaccine? I don't, I don't know that you can. Man, it, it is so you know, and so this is where you know people were you know talking about Florida opening up to the WWE and to you know MMA. And they're trying to compare the WWE and MMA. I go, there's no comparison. Look at Vince McMahon doesn't need to have, you know, a regulatory body there. He doesn't need judges. He doesn't need, you know, a scores table, a timekeeper. He doesn't need any of these things that are normal, common within the fighting realm. And also all the inspectors and all of the production stuff. It's easy to break this into a smaller you want to say ten person? I, he might he might be able to get away with a ten person. MMA, you're never getting away with a ten person. Twenty five people would be tough for you to do. Fifty people would possibly be doable, you know. But that's you know they're, you're doubling those things. And when you look at the NFL, I see that the NFL. The only thing, I, and I've, I've talked to somebody about this. It's part of it. They've talked about you know there used to be that they can't I think go past the twenty yard line on an NFL sideline. You know, that's the, the marker that they, you know, the coaches can't go past. Well, they're going to open that up and they're going to spread things back based upon not having anybody in the stadium. So it'll be very much, very similar to if you've ever gone to an NFL practice, a scrimmage against another team. I think for the teams, that's what it's going to be. The real question is going to be how are they going to keep those people separated in that 100-yard area, that will say it can go back maybe 10 to 15 yards deep. How are you going to separate people in that area? I want to talk about your podcast that you do with, uh, with, with uh, Josh Thompson. Um, it's interesting, right? You guys are an interesting pair. You've got yeah, both certainly opinionated, but different parts of the sport in which you have arrived, although he's been an OG as well, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But there was a recent episode where you guys were talking about John Jones, and you notice I've, no I've seen a change in tenor around commentary with him, even with myself a little bit, because the, the third arrest for this vehicular issue, which he pled guilty to, so it's no longer alleged, was bad enough. But then afterwards, and I've not heard your commentary on this, although I did hear that part, you know, going right after Anthony Smith for this like, traumatic experience at his home, and I would get, look, people are in the fight game are going to say ugly things to each other, Big John, you know this very well. Yeah. If there was no arrest, you'd be like, well, it's not great, but it's kind of what the fight game is. But then to do that within days, within literally days of this, what I would consider, what should have been his own traumatic event, I found shocking, Big John. What the hell is happening here? I wish I knew. Yeah, I, I, w I was hard on John, you know, in the fact that it's not that I don't like John. I like John. You know, John may not like me, and that's okay. I don't, I, I don't worry about it. But John has repeatedly 
just made bad decisions. When you look and you're saying, okay, all right, you're 25 years old. I understand it. Okay, you're 27 years old. I understand it. All right, you're 29 years old. You're 32 now. There has to come that point where you start to go, okay, I got to learn from this. I, I have to make better decisions. And it's not only the fact of making the better decisions. It's There's so many people that are affected by those decisions he's making, even though he's not considering that at the time. And that's where you look and you go, come on, man. You're losing so much and it will not be there forever for you. I know you think it will. It will not. It will all go away and it can go away fast. And so I, I really hope John, you know, off of this one, I hope he gets his act together. I hope he makes great decisions. I hope he never has a problem again. When he made the comment about Anthony, that is, I just look at that. First off, Anthony Smith was put in a situation no one should be put into. Okay. It's scary. You know, I can tell you, you know, when you're fighting and you don't know what if the person has weapons, it's not an MMA match. OK, and you know, just using John Jones's name based upon he's the one that made the, the comment of something is, you know, when you walk into an MMA cage, you can sit there and say all the things about being a warrior and I'm, I'm willing to die and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, you can have that mindset and it's true and it's real, not not doubting it. But. There's a big difference when you walk in, you know that there's that guy standing over there that if I am really hurt, he's going to stop the fight. He's not going to let this person not only knock me out, but stomp my head in. Okay. And when you're Anthony Smith, yes, you're a fighter, but you're waking up. And within a couple of seconds of waking up, you are engaged in something that is absolutely terrifying to you. And it's terrifying because if this guy gets through you, what happens to your wife and your children? You know, the, the amount of adrenaline going off in Anthony and, and when Anthony is, you know, you could hear him when he was talking. He, he didn't have a voice. Why do you think he didn't have a voice? Because he was screaming at this guy. He doesn't think he's screaming, but he is because he's so amped. And, you know, this is a terrifying situation. And I'm very happy that Anthony is absolutely OK. He did a great job. His family was safe. When he told me that his mother-in-law went to get a knife, I'm going, God, no, what are you doing? You're introducing, you know, don't do that. Unless you're going to plunge it in the middle of him, don't do it. You know, and uh, I really, I, I like the way that Anthony handled it because he didn't handle it like I'm a hero. He handled it like, man, I was scared to death. Man, I didn't know what was going on. Man, this guy seemed like he was so strong and everything. And that, those are the things that are re in real, you know, life situations like that. That's what happens. And so to comment in any negative fashion, well, you should have choked him out. Nice to say. And yes, in a normal situation, he'd be able to choke that guy out. But when you're scared and you're amped and you don't know what's going on and it's dark, there's not a lot of lights and you're not seeing things, it's a different environment, a different world. And you should only look and say, man, Anthony, I'm glad you and your family are okay. You did a great job. And, you know, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, it's a great podcast, too, not just on that issue, but other ones as well. I want to talk about this show on CBS Sports Network in just a second. One more question about it, if I may. You've been doing commentary now for Bellator for, for some time. Um, biggest lesson you've learned on the job in that role is what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it is. There's, there comes points, there's, you know, there's certain sections for play-by-play -play guys and color guys. But sometimes less is more, and sometimes you just need to let the fight go. And you know, if you can educate, my whole thing that I, I try to do is 
try to teach, try to educate the fans and let them understand why that's not going to work or why this, if he does this, this is what's going to make that, that a fight, you know, ending submission or whatever. Just try to educate them a little bit on not only the fight and what the techniques are, but also the rules of the sport because we get a lot of uh, bad information out going out there on what the rules are, what the criteria is. And so anytime I get a chance to say, look, no, this is what is allowed to happen in this situation, I try to put it out there so people will then understand what can really be done. So, let's see, Saturday, April 25th, that's going to be this coming Saturday, 8 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, there is a new program called Bellator MMA Recharge. Now, I guess this episode is going to have Rampage versus Sonnen on it, and then Nelson versus Mitrion, which, of course, as we know, were matches from the Heavyweight Grand Prix. Tell us more about this program. You're hosting it, Bellator Recharge, what is it? Because I know it's Saturday, but it's then it's going to Wednesdays, right? Something like that? Yeah, it's going to start off on Saturday, but then it's eventually going to be seen every week on Wednesday. I think the big thing to look at is, you know, the, the where it's being put out now. CBS Sports—that's a good place for Bellator to be. You know, we were on we're on Paramount, and we were part of Viacom, and Paramount Network is where you could find Bellator. Well, most people don't go to Paramount for sporting events, so being that we're now being put out onto CBS Sports, I think it's a great thing, and it's a great way for people to watch some of the fights that Bellator has had. We've had some great fights, you know, and a lot of people don't get to see them, and we have some incredible fighters. So it's just a chance for us to go back, rehash a little bit about that, and all I'm doing is giving little tidbits about, you know, specific fighters and, you know, what their records are and what they're good at, what they're not. You know, it's just a, a good way if you haven't seen those fights or even if you have to go back and watch them and see the things that transpired to make, you know, that fight go in the direction it went, so... It's going to be fun. So, again, it'll be Saturday, April 25th. But for the Wednesday ones, is this just recurring for the time being? Like, it's just from now on on Wednesdays? Yeah, from now on on Wednesday, CBS Sports, you can watch fights. So, Wednesday night, not really a big fight night. So, you can tune into CBS Sports and catch some really good fights with Bellator. All right, one last question for you. This is some news I just <laughs> reacted to on the radio show. It was Ion Kutiglaba in Virginia. And uh, you may have seen the fight against Megamed and Kaliyev. He walked across the cage when they were doing the intro and did the whole throat slash thing, which was its own mess. But referee Kevin McDonald stopped it when it looked like Kutilaba um, uh, was kind of like faking an injury and then kind of lunged at him. And McDonald intervened. And I, I'm not here to relitigate the, the terms of that stoppage. But when Kutilaba tried to challenge it in Virginia, he ran into something that I often see fighters run into, which is that, well, the regulations state that the referee does his best with the judgment that they have at the time in the accordance of health and safety. We didn't see anything that really challenged that, which is true. But if you really examine those rules and the rules that a lot of states have, I'm not here to pick on Virginia per se, but they're certainly part of this. The commission writes rules that never forces them to... It's, I'm not denying that Kevin McDonald acted in his own judgment with health and safety. The question is, was that judgment sound? Why was are, a good... Right. Why don't, why don't... Or maybe I'm wrong. If there's a commission that... that is that way, let me know. But it seems like the commissions have kind of rigged it so the fighters can never ask, did you do a good job? You know, you can say, you can say that they rigged it that way, and in some ways you, you could be right. But the one thing that I, I've, you know, I talk about all the time with officials is, look, at, you're human. You're going to make mistakes. Now, it just happens, you know, and it's not that you're making a mistake. Oh, I want to make a mistake. You know, Kevin doesn't want to make a mistake. It's 
you get sucked in by something. You think that there's more there than that there really is. And you're trying as an official many times where we'll make mistakes is we try to keep the fighter from being hurt. And you can't do that. You know, it's one of the things that I learned, you know, after a while, it took me a while to figure out too, because, you know, I had people, you know, asking me, you know, make sure that this guy doesn't get hurt. Make sure that guy, you can't do it. When fighters sign on the dotted line, you know, when they, when they apply to be, you know, that guy and they start going to the gym and they become an MMA fighter, they know there's an inherent risk in that activity. And every time they step in the cage, especially when they're getting paid as a professional, you're looking and saying, well, look, being damaged is part of what they get paid for. What they don't get paid for is unnecessary damage, allowing the fight to go too long when they cannot intelligently defend themselves, allowing them to take those extra two, three, four shots. That's when it's unnecessary. And yes, you should have done something. They don't sign up for that. But when you as an official, you're going to make mistakes, but you've got to be honest with yourself and everybody else and don't make excuses. Don't sit there and try to you know, get someone to verify, oh, no, I think you were okay. Be honest with yourself because you know, you know you made a mistake. And when you make a mistake, you should go to the commission and say, hey, I want you to know I made a mistake. I stopped that fight. I shouldn't have stopped that fight. I've done this, Luke. I'm not, so I'm not talking, you know, like I haven't done it. I've had fights that I've had overturned based upon that regulation says the same thing you're talking about. But I go to the state and I say, hey, I want you to know I made a mistake here. And I'll go to the fighter and say, go to the commission, make an appeal. I'll write the letter and I'll show up saying, you know what? I made a mistake. This is how I made the mistake. This is what the mistake was. And I believe this fight should be overturned because you don't want to put it in a position where your mistake is now costing the fighter. It's costing the fighter a mark on his record. It cost him, you know, some money. It's, you know, not that he, maybe he wouldn't have won that money anyways, but he might have. So that mistake is a costly error and you got to try to make it as right as you can. All right. Well, with that in mind, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. Saturday, April 25th, 8 p.m. in the East Coast, Bellator MMA Recharged, and thereafter, it'll be on Wednesdays, CBS Sports Network. Big John McCarthy, always appreciate your time and your insight, sir. I wish you nothing but uh, health and safety in these strange and bizarre times. Same to you and your family, Luke. You take care. Take care, Big John. Bye-bye. The Yak and Barack Show is your home for daily boxing coverage, but also brings you the biggest names in pop culture and entertainment. My pleasure to introduce CeeLo Green. Tune in to SiriusXM Fight Nation this Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for an A-list extravaganza featuring top comedians, actors, musicians, and more. We got the opportunity right now to have on the line Jeezy. The Yak and Barack A-list special airs only on your home for boxing, culture, and lifestyle. SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Listen at home with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however you stream in the house. All right, Luke Thomas Show, wrapping things up here. Luke Thomas Show at gmail.com, at MMA on SiriusXM, all that good stuff. Uh, let's go to Cobb. Well, actually, you know what? Let me play this clip from Marco from Waco. He left a voicemail because he's not a terrible person like many of you. He actually believes in what we're doing on here. So let's hear what he has to say, and we'll answer Mr. Marco from Waco's question. Uh, let's go to Cobb. Well, actually, you know what? Let me play this clip from Marco from Waco. He left a voicemail because he's not a terrible person like many of you. He actually believes in what we're doing on here. So let's hear what he has to say. And we'll answer Mr. Marco from Waco's question. 
Hey look, this is Marco from Waco. So stuff has been grinding my gears this whole time regarding COVID-19. A lot of people say this is like the flu. However, the flu in a worst case scenario will kill 50,000 people in a full calendar year. However, COVID-19 has killed 50,000 people in two months. Now, as an average, 25,000 people have died every month. If you extrapolate that until the end of the year, in eight months, an additional 200,000 people will die. But on the worst case scenario, this bug is killing 2,500 people a day. With 250 days left until the end of the year, that is about 625,000 people. So pick your poison. Is this the flu or is this not? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the flu. Um, it's uh, It's not. It's it's significantly worse than the flu. Now, there's some interesting studies going on. If you guys have seen this, Stanford and USC are working on some studies, although there are some questions now about how valid the studies are. People are just at the beginning stage of this, but that there might be some way to split the difference on how um, on how deadly COVID is, COVID-19. And the reasoning is that they found it was much more prevalent in the human population than we had expected, significantly so which would mean that it's not as deadly given that more people had it and didn't get as sick. Yet the other side of that would be, from an aggregate perspective, it might not be as deadly as we thought, but for those uh, who get it, it carries significantly greater rates of hospitalization than death. But I want to be ca- I want to caution people that USC and then separate Stanford study, um, they're very much in question about their validity. So no one really knows the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, 40,000 plus Americans have died in about a month and a half or so um, from this, you know. Uh, it's, it, I mean, the, the arguments about it's the flu, it's just sort of silly because we're going to pass that by very quickly. You know, 2,000 plus Americans are dying every day from this. And again, if you get your information from really questionable sources, they'll, they'll probably tell you that the numbers are inflated. If anything, they're, they're probably deeply underrated. Um, but... It's not like that. But the one thing that people keep coming back to is the uh, car crashes. I really find that just a terrible argument that people get into. As I've said before, car crashes happen in such a way that it doesn't over... You've never had a hospital in your life have to rent freezer trucks as temporary morgues because they didn't have space in the hospital to deal with it. You've never had it. It's never happened in your life. And more to the point, yeah, I'd also argue, right... Um, the fact that we have this many deaths annually, and there's, you know, you know, there's a lot worldwide. Um, I think that happens. I think worldwide, one over one million people annually are killed by car crashes. You know, but okay, here, here's the point. Um, we have an unhealthy obsession with the car. <laughs> we got a terrible, terrible uh, obsession with the car. Um, it is bad for us. It's good for us too, but it's bad for us in the way that we use it. I mean, saying, hey, there's this thing that kills us, kills more of us. It's like, well, first of all, it doesn't. Um, that's not exactly true. I think there was like a total of 30 plus thousand in 2017. And so we're already, we're, we're going we're gonna to reach a spot where you can add up flu and car crashes in a year, and COVID is going to pass that by itself. But if you're saying to yourself, wow, we have so many deaths via cars, it's like, yeah, because 
We've created municipal systems where public transportation is virtually impossible in most parts of the country, or if not impossible, certainly just not a key function of it. And as a consequence, we're over, we're, we're, people spend hours each day in the car commuting, right, with a suburbanization outside of urban centers. Uh, they, they, they spend, you know, enormous amounts of time driving around town from strip mall to strip mall. No one walks. Yeah, no wonder we have so many people getting hurt or injured in car crashes. We have an unhealthy relationship with it. <laughs> All right. Let's get to Cobb here for just a second. Uh, Cobb, I have to tell you what happened to me today. What happened? Not even the Instacart thing, which was hilarious. By the way, I had another Instacart delivery here today. People can't tell that. I gotta. Ha- I need to have a sit down with Mountain Dew. People cannot tell the difference between Mountain Dew and Diet Mountain Dew. They get it wrong virtually every time. I have to go do it myself to get it, which is fine. I don't mind, but it's annoying. Is it the same color? Here's the deal. They sub the 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 liquid obviously is the same color. The branding is slightly grayer than the normal one, but if you're not looking for it hardcore, you'll just miss it. And they don't say Diet Mountain Dew. Do you know what they call it? M- Mountain Dew Diet. Yeah. So it's not even it's not even in front of the word. Exactly. The no who who calls it Coke Diet? In in Russia, Coke Diet's you. Like that's what I, the, I, yeah. I guess they like the alliteration. The Mountain Dew diet. Yeah. Well, you know what I don't like getting my order wrong every time. That's what I don't <laughs> like. But that's not it. So finally, I went and had my bike repaired yesterday because the bike stores are non-essential. Buddy, you would have thought I was handing off, you know, nuclear secrets to another two of the Russians or something about how the level of secrecy and difficulty to get this to happen so i went to a bike store i i didn't realize it was it's it's right near sirius xm in dc uh it's a non-profit which i thought was kind of cool so i was happy to give them some business they had spray painted six feet in all directions like a radius outside of the front door okay like an orange line you couldn't cross door was front door was shut and locked you had to call them there was a sign saying if you were open but just call us call a dude he comes out you leave the bike inside the six foot radius, right? They come and they repair it, but he, re- he fixed it. I got I got it clean. I got a new tire, sixty uh, twenty bucks. Great deal. Took it for a spin this morning, Cobb. Jesus, I am fat and out of shape. Oh my god! I mean, I know I've been drinking every day, I, which I knew was bad for you. I just di- I wasn't in tune with the damage it had done. Dude, I was huffing and puffing up those hills. I did. I I biked for three miles, and I came home wiped. Now, granted, that's a very hilly three miles. Where like even under the best of conditions, the kind where like several times you have to get up off your seat and like pedal hard to like get up a hill. You know, so it's not a, it's not a straight three miles. I want to be very clear about that. It's 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 a three miles that would be a little bit on the difficult side, no matter what. But it's only three miles. <laughs> Dude, I came home being like, oh my effing God. The amount of damage I have to undo now is extraordinary. Dude, even before the pandemic, the hardest part for me to go to the gym, because you know how it is. When you've been out of the gym for a while, that first day is like critical. It's always hardest to get there that first day. And I constantly <laughs> realize how much I'm starting from scratch again because I've just been out of the gym for like two or three years now. I've gone maybe once or twice. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I feel like this uphill battle. Every single day I have to fight for it. And 
I laugh because even you're like, I'll come up the stairs too fast, and I feel like I'm breathing a little bit heavier, and I'm like, oh, no. Come on. It can't be that bad. <laughs> Bro, I'll carry my daughter to the crib at night, and I have to sit down with hands on my knees. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, what has happened here? Um, here's uh, There's two schools of thought on this. One school of thought is, like, just get back into the fire, you know, just jump right back in and do it. And in my 20s, that worked for me. But now that I'm in my, well, now 40, but let's say, you know, late 30s, early 40s, Here's my view on the whole thing. What will get me coming back tomorrow? And the answer is a slow ease. I need the thing. I'd rather show up more and just get into a pattern where it's just part of my day than just try to like dive headfirst into the icy water. I can't do it anymore, man. I'm, I'm not built for it. Yeah, the other thing for me too, like I, you would think I have this daily reminder of how in shape I used to be because every time I walk up my stairs – my senior portrait of uh, when I was wrestling is blown up big and I get to see like what a shredded stud I was at some point. And you would think that'd be motivation, but I look at it and I go, yeah, you're dead, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, there's no shot. I'm ever going to see you again. Like it's just never going to happen. You should burn the picture and put it in an urn and put it on your mantle being like, that's where, that's where Michael Russo really resides. That's where he <laughs> lives these days. That disciplined, go to the gym every single day, don't miss a day, he's gone. Yep. He's gone forever. Dead and buried. Past the Oreos. I'm good to go. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to keep it up. The bike's fixed. It works great. I, I was I was happy to use the business, but Jesus, the damage I've done is extraordinary. Uh, all right, let's do this. LukeThomasShow at gmail.com is the email. Um, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, tell your cheap friends about the podcast. We'll talk more about the movie stuff tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at LThomasNews and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.